Hey folks, I am Ryan Goodman and you are listening to the Agriculture Proud Podcast. Join the conversation and find all my content at agricultureproud.com. Hey folks, and welcome to episode five of the Agriculture Proud Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Goodman, coming at you on the road this week from the Tri-Cities, Washington area, working with a few ranchers in the Washington, Oregon area and attending some bull cells. And I tell you what, it's starting to look like spring. I look outside and the landscape is dotted with green and we certainly uh, not complaining about the warm weather uh, during calving season for those ranchers in the area that are calving, but uh, we do hope some moisture continues to come as we head into planting season. But on that note, I'd love to hear uh, and see what it looks like in your area. So uh, c- be sure to connect with me on social media. You can find me on Facebook as I am Agriculture Proud. You can f- also find me on Twitter and Instagram as Ag Proud Ryan. And as always, you can catch all my content and all those links at agricultureproud.com. This week's uh, episode is a little bit different. I've got an interview with somebody in the agriculture community who didn't necessarily grow up on a farm or a ranch. And I told you when I started, I wanted to bring you stories from the agricultural community. And I think this gal uh, brings a unique perspective. I'm talking with Sarah Bowenkamp from the Denver, Colorado area. She's a leadership coach, and I met her through the Beef Ambassador Program with with the uh, American National Cattlewomen's a few years back, and she's currently helping me on a leadership program that I'm putting on in conjunction with the Montana Stockers Association, where we're taking young ranchers, teaching them leadership skills, and teaching them some of those um, communication skills that they need, but also teaching them some business management skills to help further them in their careers and help to give back to the community. So we're pretty excited about that. We'll talk a little bit about that. And also Sarah uh, brings a unique perspective. She's helped a lot on communication and leadership and uh, and how to talk to others. And so a question I always I often get from folks like you, uh, my listeners and readers, is how do I talk with family uh, members or relatives or friends about hot topics that we may disagree on? How do I talk about that and preserve those relationships? So Sarah and I talk a little bit about that. She helps to answer that question and helps gives you some advice on, on how to handle that. And I think that you you'll really enjoy that. So I'll kind of keep this intro short because we have a great conversation coming up. Um, you can find the show notes at agricultureproud.com slash podcast. And be sure to catch up with Sarah, uh, Sarah Bowenkamp online. You can find her at sarahjoes.com. That's Sarah with an H, joes.com. And be sure to shoot her a message on social media. She really likes Twitter and Instagram and, and Periscope if you're on there. And you can find her as at the mill coach. That's at the mill coach. So I hope you enjoy that. And as always, you know, catch that content in the show notes at agricultureproud.com uh, slash podcast. And I hope you enjoy this show with Sarah Bowen Cam. Great. And I'm here with uh, Sarah Bowenkamp. Excited to have her uh, as a guest on the podcast and uh, coming to us. She's from the Parker, Colorado area, if you're not familiar with her. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Well, thanks for having me. It's a great day to talk about agriculture. <laughs> there you go. So, hey, if you'll get started with this, Sarah, uh, just give us a little bit of information about your background and how you come into working with agriculture. Well, I will tell you what, if you would have asked me when I was in college if I would be where I am now and working primarily in agriculture, I probably would have looked at you with like the craziest look, like, really? Me? So it's, it's kind of an interesting way, um, but I'm so happy that I am here. 
Um, and it kind of started in, you know, where I grew up. I grew up in southeastern Idaho, and it was potato country, right? There's, you know, potatoes everywhere, a lot of cows around as well, a lot of cattle, um, sugar beets, that kind of thing. And, you know, it was just kind of the way of life. Like everybody was there, um, understood where our food came from. And I wasn't a beef girl, per se, but I was a horse lover. I mean, I was a, one of those horse-crazy girls. And whenever you have a horse, at least where I grew up, and there were people that had cattle, they would say, hey, come and help us. It's time to move, you know, different pastures. It's time to brand. It's time to do whatever. And so I would show up. I had a trainer who ran cattle. Um, it's where I saw my first calf pulled when I was out riding one day with him. Um, he'd let me go ride the sleigh in the winter to go feed the cattle, and it was just, you know, a part of my life. I, I lived in an apartment growing up, but I also had this really rich side of life that was, you know, just about agriculture, and I loved it. I was a rodeo queen and really just embodied that Western way of life, and it was just, it just felt right for me. But then I moved to the city, and it was uh, an interesting time in my life, and it's really where I flexed my leadership skills and leadership development. And I had worked in the credit union world in um, training and organizational development, and it's where I was introduced to things like the seven habits of highly effective people and what does embodied leadership look like and what is service and, you know, this attitude of servitude, how does that weave into leadership? And it was a really cool time in my life. And then my husband, uh, he decided, gosh, I'd love to move back home to Colorado. And when I was looking for jobs, I thought, well, of course I'm going to stay in training and, and leadership development. That's, that's what I've done for 15 years. But when we moved here, there really wasn't anything that was exciting to me in that world. So I was looking for a job, and I found a job description describing uh, program management work for the American National Cattlewomen, and it was primarily working with young leaders in agriculture who were passionate about beef and wanted to tell their story. And so I thought, well, I don't know. I'm a horse person, but I really like to eat beef, and, you know, I've spent some time around cattle and, you know, the people of agriculture and that Western way of life, and I love it. So what the hell? So I decided to, to apply, and lo and behold, I got hired, and then just a, a few um, months passed, and I saw that there was a ton of opportunity. And eventually, the cattle women um, asked me to be the executive director. And in the past four or five years, I've had the opportunity to travel the country and not just talk with consumers, but I had the opportunity to really talk with cattlemen and cattlewomen and understand what are some of the issues that we face. You know, I did work for the beef checkoff and driving consumer demand, and it was just fascinating to me, all of the different pieces and parts and all of the varying opinions, of course, because, you know, when you bring that food conversation up, it's just a, you know, you never know what you're going to get, and it just was really exciting to me. So I love people more than anything. So I've you know, been in this world loving agriculture, but you know, it's, it's not so much you know, the, the conversations or the, the technical stuff around the industry that I love the most, but it's, it's the people. I mean, they, they get it. You know? And I'll talk more about you know, why I am working with millennials later um, in agriculture because I think that they're pretty unique. Yeah, for and that's uh, that's quite the storied uh, storied trip to, to Colorado there and getting to work in agriculture and and something that's that's quite a different uh, story than what a lot of people I work with. I uh, I guess I first met you at the at a beef ambassador contest when you were working with American National Cattlewomen's and I was like, whoa, that girl has a lot of energy. <laughs> you know, people always ask me, they're like, how many cups of coffee have you had today, Sarah? And it's like, you know what? Um, I might have had a couple of cups. But at the end of the day, it's really easy to get jazzed 
when you like the people that you work with, you like the content that you're having to spend your energy and time around, and it's like, yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> Exciting. Now you work as a leadership coach, and I've been working with you on a couple of different projects, but uh, one of your big things that you kind of use in, in working with agriculture, but you also do some training with horses, and that seems like a pretty unique opportunity. Absolutely, and um, one that came to me when I lived in Arizona. Um, I was doing some work with an organization um, that was partnering with my credit union at the time, and it was all about embodied leadership. And they had a really cool program where they actually took us out into the desert with Land Rovers and then basically had us drive up this big rock wall and do this other like extreme driving kind of thing. And I was like, huh, that was interesting experiential learning. And I said, yeah. But did you know that people are doing the same kind of thing with horses? And when they told me that, it was like my mind exploded. Again, I'd always been this horse-crazy person, and I loved the people development side of life. And I was like, oh, my God, I can bring them together. How amazing. And so that day I started doing research and found um, that there were people that were doing this work and doing it with some really big companies like Nike. And so I started down the path of learning about how does this work. And so the horses have a couple of really, really important things that they bring to the table. Right? Horses force us to be in the moment. And I think is that, you know, when you're talking about people and, you know, leading and creating relationships, you can't be thinking about, you know, that next meeting that you have to go into. You can't be thinking about that thing that happened yesterday and worrying about, you know, what's what are the repercussions going to be of whatever went down. You have to be here. Or the horse is going to call you out. Right? They're the world's best lie detectors or mirrors to say, hey, you're not being real. I need you to be here. I need you to get out of your head and into your body, into this present moment. And so it's a really fun way to, you know, just bring people out of the boardroom and into the, you know, in the nature, into the arena, into the dirt, into the wind and everything and say, you know what, let's get real for a minute and talk about what does leadership really look like. And the horses, um, I'll give you an example. We did a, a workshop on last Thursday, and we had a Mustang herd, which is really, really cool. And we turned them into the arena, and we just asked the leaders that were there to just do some observation, to slow down and just see what it is that they could see. Because we know that observation is a really, really powerful tool, and it tells us a lot, right? We don't need language a lot of the time to communicate. That nonverbal piece or that feel piece is really important. So we asked them to just feel and watch and see. And it was funny. We asked them after, you know, just a few minutes of watching the herd kind of frolic around and just be, you know, horses, you know, who's the leader? And it was funny because six of the eight people said that the leader was the one that was out in front. You know, this horse that was out there, you know, always being the one that was kind of leading the pack, if you would look at it that way. And it was really interesting. We said, hmm, what about the horse in the back? What's its job? What's it doing? You know, what's lead mare's job, if you will? Like, oh, actually, she's not out in front. And the minute that we kind of made that, like, connection of, wait a minute, leadership always isn't the one that's in the front, it was like the people were like, oh, my gosh, why did I pick the horse in the front? That was so crazy. We know that leadership isn't about waving your hands. Hey, here, I've got the job title. I've got all this stuff. You know, come this direction. Follow me. Right? Good leaders, effective leaders, lead from the side or lead from the back and put pressure when they need to put pressure. They hang back when they need to hang back. But at the end of the day, their job, 
lead mare's job who's always in the back kind of checking things out. You can see her ears flicking, you know, always noticing what's happening. Her job is to keep people safe. And so it's just a really fun way to have a conversation that, you know, they, people already inherently know because I think leadership can be quite natural for a lot of people. We just kind of get our head and all these other things in the way. And so the horses help us get to the meat of things really quickly. It's an experiential thing, so it's really, really sticky. And people walk out of the arena and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, I have this experience that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And it's also a whole heck of a lot of fun. You can just play in all different types of things, from herd dynamics to, you know, the nonverbal communication to, you know, what can you learn oh, yeah. about being wild? For sure, <laughs> for sure. can be wild. <laughs> yeah, we can, uh, shoot, you can learn all, all kinds of stuff from that. And that's that's neat that you're pulling people that aren't necessarily used to handling horses or being around them all the time. Um, but that's yeah. still, a, still a topic that we, on, in farms and ranches, can, can relate to and learn from that situation. I know that you, uh, you use that as an example in a program that, uh, that I'm working with you, uh, this year. And we're, we've taken, uh, 14 young ranchers from Montana and, uh, you know, see them as, as having great potential in our community and leaders, uh, in the future. And, and, uh, to be able to, uh, to work with them and help to fine tune their skills has been, has been pretty fun so far. Heck yeah. It's amazing. And I think this program is very unique because it's not just an event. Right. I see a lot of great leadership um, programs or events that have been, you know, created, but it's, you know, maybe one time a year. And I really love this type of program, you know, brings this group together several times throughout the year and that there's face-to-face -face aspects, there's virtual aspects, there's opportunities for people to go try on things and then come back and get some feedback around what's happened for them and, and how can they really identify what worked well. Plus, the people that are a part of it are quite diverse, right? They're not all just ad com people, you know, that have this idea that they want to go out and be big advocates. You know, we've got, uh, you know, feed yard folks. We've got cow-calf producers. We've got somebody who, you know, has really got some interest in politics and, you know, the whole, uh, you know, policy side of things. And so it's a really unique program, and I'm just pleased to be a part of it. Oh, for sure. And and for our listeners that want to go look up, um, I'll include in the show notes here a link to the Montana Stock Growers Leadership Series and can learn more about that. Uh, definitely, definitely fun, uh, fun deal. Now, I wanted to ask you, Sarah, because um, your online handle, uh, look you up on Twitter, is Mill Coach, and that's short for, for millennials. Um, so we hear a lot about millennials, especially in consumer research and agriculture. Uh, but uh, but why choose to work with millennials? Well, I like them. And I think they get a bad rap in a lot of different ways. It's funny when I when I talk about, you know, what do I do when I meet somebody at the airport or if I'm having a conversation and I say, gosh, you know, I'm a coach for millennials. And you see this kind of pause and their face twists up and they're like, oh, why? Why would you do that? Or the response is, thank God, they need all of this help. And it's like, actually, I don't see it like that at all. I see that they've got amazing talents Right? They're just different, and I don't think that millennials, um, you know, they're, they're just like the Xers were or the Boomers were in their time, right? We all just, you know, things evolve, and we have different ways of approaching things. And, you know, they're the digital natives. They can come up with, you know, answers to things just at the drop of the hat because they know how to use technology really well, right? They've got, you know, opportunities to travel like none other. I have a friend who is a professor in California, and he did a kind of a, base level survey to students at the beginning of the semester about how many of 
of these millennials had traveled internationally. I don't remember what the specific percentage was, but it was upwards of 80%. And I think even just 10 or 15 years ago, you wouldn't have seen that. So you see millennials that are coming to the table that have valuable experience, whether it's from their travel or the internships that they were able to engage in or the way that they've really adopted technology to work for them. And they've got like practical, applicable skills right now. And I absolutely love that. Plus, you know, every time I've had to work with a, a millennial group, it's just been something that flows for me, whether it's from the beef ambassadors or the employees that I um, worked with. Like when I worked in the credit union world, a lot of the, the staff were millennials. And so it's just something that I love, and I want to support them. And there's a whole hell of a lot of them out there in the world, obviously. And so, you know, from a business point of view, that's, that's smart business, right? Go where the, the need is. And I just know that the world needs a whole lot more love and leadership in the world, and these ones, these people are going to be the ones to change that and to bring more and to solve our problems, frankly. Yeah. Well, as, as a millennial myself, I appreciate hearing that. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm up here to, you know, go to bat and say, no, we're going we're gonna to say no way to that kind of label, and we're going to show people really what's up. Yeah, for sure. So as millennials in agriculture, and when we're working with a group that's, you know, that's coming up in agriculture, and of course, a lot of people that are on social media um, are millennials and talking about agriculture. And one of the questions that I get quite a bit is from millennials uh, coming back to the ranch. And like you mentioned, they're innovative, they're using technology, and they're bringing those things back to do their to do their job better. But uh, I often get a question like when they go to close friends or family, and talking about hot topics in our food, such as GMOs or farming methods or practices, antibiotics, um, whatever that may be. And they have difficulty having those conversations. It often gets heated. Um, so I want to ask you, how do those folks best approach the conversation on a hot topic in a manner that's respectful of maintaining those relationships with family or friends? Oh, ho, ho. and isn't that like the ultimate question? It seems when I was traveling the country talking to people about beef, it's really easy to, you know, talk with somebody that doesn't agree with you and you know that you're never going to see him again, right? Or the, the, the social media posts that may or may not be seen or something like that. But, you know, when it's somebody that's close to you, there's a whole lot more oftentimes at stake. So there's a couple of things that I would offer. I think the first one is the idea that you have to move from the inside out, right? And you have to do kind of a gut check of why is it that you really want to engage, right? What's your intention? Right? You know that there's an opportunity, but why are you choosing to step up right now and have this conversation? Is your intention because you want to fight? You know, is that the, the intention that you want to be passive aggressive? Is the intention that you truly want to seek to understand? Is it that you, you know, want to change their mind? What is it? Because you have to really begin from that. What is my intention? And if it's ego-driven, then you have to say, okay, probably not the time right now. I need to wait and get my head right to where it is truly about seeking to understand and to have an open uh, conversation. So once you kind of have that gut check and you know your intention, then I think that next step is to really check for willingness. But you've got to call a spade a spade and you know, bring that elephant into the room because you know that it's a hot topic. You know that there's a disagreement or you know, we, we, we don't see eye to eye here. And so you have to just call it out and say, you know, do you want to talk? And if you do want to talk, know that I'm not trying to change your mind. Right? I think you have to start off with that. And I know that this one conversation probably isn't going to be the catalyst for change here. Right? But what we do want to do is just create this nice space to talk. And at the end of the day, we're going to agree 
that we can disagree peacefully at the end of the day and that that's completely okay, that you're not tied to the outcome of the conversation so much, but you, you're really more committed to the process, that you're going to be respectful throughout it, and that it, it's really just this open dialogue. So once you've kind of checked for that willingness and everybody's like, yep, yep, let's do that, then I think it's really your opportunity to ask some deeper questions and make sure that you're not assuming that you know exactly where that person's coming from. Right? How can you truly ask questions that are going to get to the reasons that they feel the way that they do and the emotions that go with it? Right? How are they really feeling about this? And I know, uh, Ryan, as we've been working with the, the stock growers group, it's, we've talked a lot about empathic listening. Right? How can I make sure that I'm feeding back to that person that I'm talking to that I get it? Right? I don't have to understand it, and, and frankly, I don't want to say I understand because you probably don't. But what you can do is use a simple phrase, you know, like, what I'm hearing you say is this. You're frustrated because you continually see things that just don't add up. Right, you see things like videos online about farmers not taking care of their animals the way that you think that they ought to be taken care of. You're seeing reports that talk about, you know, how this um, you know, GMO might be impacting health or something like that. Right? There's, there's all these reasons that they're feeling like they do, so you're calling that out. And then I think from there, it's about finding that right way to Share your story, right? People at this point, they don't really want to know all of your facts, right? And if they really wanted to know the facts, they could go and find them. What they want to know is what you think. What's your truth? And how can you tell that in a way that isn't like, damn it, you're wrong? Or I need you to just hear this and I'm going to comment vomit for a long time. Right? It's like, no, what's this way that I can help them to see my story or to feel this story? And, you know, again, not being tied to that outcome of them agreeing or not with how you feel. Right? And then, you know, from there it's about checking for understanding. You know, how does this sound? What does this mean to you? How does this land on you at the end of the day? And, you know, knowing that you can choose your battles, you know, that you don't have to engage in all food conversations. Right? Um, I'll give you a, just a quick example on Twitter because social media is an interesting place where sometimes people will often feel like they can talk about or they might challenge you when they might not do it face-to-face. -face. Um, I had made a post about calves because it's calving season, right? So I like to follow the hashtag calving16. And so I had retweeted somebody's really cute calf pic, and I would said something like, gosh, how can you not love this? And then, of course, there was some kind of a reply that said, oh, but how could you even post anything like that? Because you know you go then and kill these calves. And that was a, a conversation. I was like, you know what, I, I'm not even going to choose to go to that battle, right? Um, and even if I would have known that person, I don't know that I would have. But, you know, if it was something that I felt passionate and I had a, a really personal experience to share, that's when I'm going to show up. I'm not just going to, you know, want to have these conversations with everybody or, you know, anybody that, that wants to stir the pot, if you will. So connect when it matters. Share your truth. And at the end of the day, don't be tied to the outcome. And if you're showing respect, that person's going to be like, you know, that was an interesting conversation. And they're going to keep thinking about it after that, that day or that time that you've, you've spoken. And, you know, I think that that's all you can do. It's, it's about listening. It's about respect. It's about sharing your truth. And whatever happens after that is going to happen. Yeah, no, Does that I like make that. sense? Am I, am I crazy? Tell me what you think about that, Ryan. 
Yeah, no, no, I like that. Um, I, I definitely like, you know, the emphasis on the listening. Um, I, I've sometimes I'm better at talking about listening than actually doing it. Uh, but uh, and and I'll, I'll admit I'm guilty of some of those things. But it can be a tough it can be a tough situation to get into, and it's hard not to just want to stick to your facts and figures and say I'm right and you're wrong. Um, right. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something to try to think about and how you're approaching that. And like you said, choose your battles sometimes. Right. And even bring in some of the wisdom of the horses, right? They were talking about before is making sure that you're really watching that person's nonverbal body language, right? As you're sharing, what are you noticing? What's your gut telling you about, you know, how this is landing on them? You know, how are you showing up to them or, you know, your body language? Are you staying open? You know, where are your arms instead of keeping them crossed, you know, keep them down by your side or what is your face? Like, um, your face is amazing, right? <laughs> Some people think that they're really great at masking how they're feeling, but I think that at the end of the day, I mean, people know how you're being. And I was having a conversation with an employee once. They're like, oh, my God, Sarah, I'm getting the face. I was like, man, I thought I was doing a really good job of, you know, keeping my face kind of blank or, you know, like not catching on with how I was really feeling because I was kind of frustrated with that employee. It's like, no, actually, you know, maybe you just need to be how you need to be, but just name it be like yeah I, I am kind of frustrated that you know you, you you feel this way but you know how 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 can we move together right yep so, yep yeah i know I've, I've been around some leaders and, and worked with some leaders and they don't always have very good poker face on uh what they're thinking about the situation so and I think hey, that's okay right it's, it's authentic it's like who you are don't try to you know dance around it just call it what it is and, and deal with it Yep. Yep. Exactly. So I got I got uh, one more question for you today. And so, what would be your top advice for millennials that are seeking to be stronger uh, or to have stronger roles in our agriculture community today? Well, at the end of the day, I think it's about showing up. Right? If you want it, it's one thing to say it, but it's another to actually act into showing up. Right? To do that hard thing of like, okay, there was this opportunity, there was a meeting, there was this this program that I could apply for or this conversation that I could have, you know, just do it. Show up. Right? One of my favorite things is, you know, so what now what? So what? You, you say you want it. Where's your action around it? And I think with millennials, there's often this kind of dance between, well, I want it, but maybe I'm not ready yet. Maybe I need more education or more experience or just more of something. And to that, I would say, you're ready. You really are. So lean into some vulnerability because you know that there, there will be things that you don't know. That's the beauty, right? You're going to have opportunities to fill those, those gaps, if you will. And at the end of the day, if you're moving from your center, you're moving from your strengths, and you're showing up, and that's some, some pretty epic shit. And you've got a program. Uh, it's featured on your website, and you've kind of done with it. Uh, it's, it's called the Epic Ch Challenge, and you know, encourage people to to make that way, uh, way to finding uh, what they're best at, right? Absolutely, and and about moving into action and saying that today's the day. You know, life is short. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, and you know that you were born with some amazing strengths, talents, passions, gifts, and so who are you to you know? weight on that who are you to withhold that from the world lean into it now and bring that thing that's going to be great for agriculture or you know whatever it is that you're passionate about because 
you know, look around you. The world's kind of an interesting place, right? We've got, you know, just look at politics right now and the, the candidates. Man, we need some leaders. We need leaders in a big, big way. So, yeah, show up. Use your strengths. Do your epic shit. Uh, exactly. So, well, I may not be the best of trainers, but I'm definitely doing uh, doing what I can to share the message with uh, with peers and and try to get uh, get some of those uh, good leaders, uh, people with great potential, to come out and and get involved. Like you said, to show up. So excited right. about that. Well, hey, I think we could go all day. You've got some great stories to share and some great advice. But uh, in the interest of time, I guess we better wrap up this chance. Maybe we can catch up later again um, on a few at future episodes as some questions come up. Um, yeah. But before we go, uh, where can people find you online? They can find me on the website. It's sarahdoes.com. It's Sarah with an H, J-O-S.com. Or I love, love, love social media. So you can find me on Twitter at MillCoach, M-I-L-L Coach, and on Periscope. Um, I love sharing, you know, live stream content about leadership. So if you haven't checked out Periscope, today might be the day. Well, I certainly appreciate it, Sarah, and I uh, hope that you uh, continue to, to go do great things and encourage people to find their epic shit. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on, Ryan. And thank you for, you know, continuing to step up and, and be there and, you know, give people the opportunity to, you know, voice their opinions and, you know, move into leadership in a big way. I think that you're an excellent role model and I just appreciate your friendship. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully carry on this conversation some, t- some other time. Would love it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, sir. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sarah Boakamp. I tell you what, she is a great gal. She's got some great advice to share, and she's a great leadership coach. I definitely enjoy working with her. And if you are looking for that, uh, I encourage you to connect with her at sarahjoes.com or find her on social media at The Mill Coach. And uh, you can find all those links and more in my previous episodes at agricultureproud.com slash podcast. And until next time, I'm your host, Ryan Goodman with Agriculture Proud.